Good morning. We're at the top of Yud Beis on the base, 12b, um, second line, second line from the top. Um, we were in the middle of teaching different teachings from Rabba Bar Chinana. Um, so now we're going to continue with some of some more of his teachings. These are actually really uh, some of them are just really practical that we have that have become matters of Jewish law. So let's uh, let's begin. So at that colon, second line. The elder said in the name of Rav, The entire year um, in Shmona Esrei, in the Amida, when you um, finish off the blessing about God's holiness, we say the holy God. It's the third blessing. And in the um, 11th blessing, the one about... Um, um, judges being returned to the way it once had it. Um, we talk about, we say, the way we conclude the blessing is, the king who loves righteousness and judgment. Um, so that's what, how we usually conclude those blessings. Except for the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, where we conclude them differently. We say, we Finish off the third blessing with the holy king instead of the holy God. Then we finish off the eleventh blessing with the um, king of judgment instead of the king who loves righteousness and judgment. We just focus right in on the king. Um, the, we, we, we focus in on the royalty, the kingship, during the ten days of uh, the Sarasimei Hatshuva, the ten days of repentance between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Um, so according to that, that's absolutely what is necessary to say. You have to say those blessings. And if you didn't say the blessings in that type of way during the 10 days, you'd actually have to go and repeat them. You'd have to repeat those blessings. Um, uh, and really the entire Shemona Esrei, the entire Amida. Rebbe Lazar Amar, Rebbe Lazar says, Even if you say Holy God, instead of the, the uh, Holy King, during those 10 days, you still have um, fulfilled your obligation. You do not need to repeat the Amida. Shinamar, from where do we know that? So the reason that it works is because we see that even within those 10 days, we could still use, say, uh, refer to God, not just as king, but to God, as God, and it still works. And we have a proof for that from a verse. Shinamar, because the verse says, Hashem mishpat. It says that um, God, master of legions, will be uh, lifted up through judgment. And the Holy God will be sanctified through justice. Um, this is a verse from Yeshaya, from Isaiah. And we see that uh, in this verse, um, God is referred to um, as both the... We see that God is referred to as God, not as king, per se. And we're going to ask, And when does this verse that says that God will be lifted up, the God of legions will be lifted up through judgment. And these were, this time period is a reference to the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That's when God is uplifted with judgment. And yet we still refer to God. Yet the verse still refers to God as the holy God, not king. So we see that even, that the, even during the 10 days of repentance, this verse is referring to God as God, not as King. So if you did end up saying God instead of Holy God, instead of Holy King, you still have fulfilled your obligation. My Hava Allah. So what is the conclusion? So we see that it seems to be that there are two opinions about if you say Holy God instead of um, 
instead of holy king. There are two opinions as to whether you discharge, discharge, you fulfilled your obligation or not. So what is the conclusion? Some Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef explains as follows. Hakel HaKadosh Umelech Ohev Umishvat. So Rav Yosef says that even during the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we still say the holy God and the king who loves righteousness and judgment. Rabba Omar, Rabba argues and says, HaMelech HaKadosh VeHamelech HaMishpat. We say the holy king and we say the HaMelech HaMishpat, the king of judgment. VeHelchasek Rabba, and the halacha follows Rabba, that you must say it like that. And if you did not say it like that, then you did not fulfill your obligation. Um, there's a bit of halachic complexity. There's a bit of complexity in Jewish law with what exactly you would have to say to fulfill your obligation. But uh, we won't. We'll uh, we'll go further for now and leave that to a bit of a bigger discussion. Another teaching from Rabbi Barchinana. Anyone who is able to ask for mercy for their friend and does not ask for mercy. By the way, we just began at the second colon on the page. Um, Nikrachote is called somebody that is called a sinner. Shenemar, as the verse says, Hashem, and me as well. May it be far for me to sin against God. to keep back from praying for all of you. So we see that it would be a sin to keep back from praying. So in this verse. <coughs> Shmuel is saying, the prophet Shmuel is saying that I will not sin by not praying for you. Okay. Uh, if the person that you should be praying for is somebody that's a Torah scholar, then you actually have to make yourself sick on the Torah scholar's behalf. My time, um, why, why do we, why, what is the reason for needing to make yourself sick for a Torah scholar? If you're gonna say because it says So this is a verse again from Shmuel and it says and none amongst you is sick for me um, or gola esazni or um, lets my ears know meaning uh, lets me know that so this is a reference that to a uh, Shaul King Saul is speaking here. This is when King Saul is trying to um, subdue King uh, David, not yet King David. Um, is he yet King David? Um, no, not yet King David. And he then finds out that his own son, Jonathan, or Jonathan, is helping out King David. So this is Saul's King Shaul saying to his, um, to his advisors that um, neither of you, none of you got sick for me, or let me know that I am being uh, stabbed in my back by my own son. So what do we see, though? We see that the expectation is that you would got you would have gotten sick to, in order to help King Saul, in order to help Shaul Hamelch, because King Shaul, because he is a Torah scholar. So we see that that's a proof that if someone's a Torah scholar, you need to get sick on behalf of in order to help them. Dilma Melech Shani, but then we can answer there that perhaps a king is different. Maybe this has nothing to do with getting sick in order to help a Torah scholar. It's getting sick in order to help the king. El Mehacha, rather, we have a different proof. Va'ani b'chalosam levushi, etc. Va'ani b'chalosam. So for me, when they were sick, my clothing was... Um, sackcloth. So this is a reference to King David. 
that when his advisors, who were Torah scholars, um, needed his help, he became, um, he tore his clothes, and he fasted, and he really uh, put a lot of effort into that. So we would see that from there, that you in order that when people are Torah scholars, you really have to do everything you possibly can to make sure that they are healed to make sure that the help that they need is uh, given to them. Um, why just a Torah scholar? Um, is this a reference to everybody? How does this work? That's um, a bit more of a greater discussion. So we'll go further from now with another teaching from Rabbi Bar Chinana, the next colon on the page. Rabbi Bar Chinana said, Anybody that does a sin but is embarrassed for doing it, we forgive him for all of his sins, as the verse says, in order that you remember and be embarrassed, and that you should no longer have an excuse because of your Embarrassment. When I forgive you for everything that you have done, Num Hashem Elokim, the word of God, the word of the Lord our God. So we see here that when the person was embarrassed, was humiliated because of what he had done, then I forgive you for all that you have done. So we see that that's the case. But then we answered Dilmot Sibor Shiny. Now, really, that's a bit of a different case. That wasn't an individual. That was an entire congregation that had sinned and now was embarrassed. So perhaps an entire congregation that sins and then they are embarrassed as, an, as a whole, they are forgiven. But who says for all of their sins? But who says that an individual who sins and then is embarrassed and is ashamed of what he had done, who says that he is forgiven for all of his sins? LMA Hacha. Rather, let's bring a proof from here. Um, this proof is uh, quite a fascinating story, actually. Um... So let's 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 do it. Elamehacha. Rather, we're going to bring a proof from here that an individual who sinned and then is ashamed for it is um, um, atones, is forgiven for all of his sins. Elamehacha. Rather, we can prove it from here. Vayomer Shmuel el Shaul. Shmuel said to Shaul, Lama hirgastani lahalos osi. Why did you bother me to raise me up? So at this point, the prophet Shmuel had died. And King Saul needed some advice, he needed some help, and no one was helping him. He wasn't able to speak, there, there was for a long time, he was able to have some sort of communication with God, yet here he wasn't able to. So he went, um, used to use a forbidden medium in order to speak to the dead, and it worked. It was a forbidden medium though, um, but it worked. So now Shmuel is telling Shaul, how, why did you bother me to wake me from the dead? To raise me up. So Shaul explained, It's very bitter for me. The Plishtim, the Philistines, are at war with me. And God has turned away from me. And has no longer answered me. Neither through prophets and neither through dreams. So I called upon you to let me know what I should do. So we see something interesting that King Saul, when talking about the different ways that he used to communicate with God, um, was no, he skipped one. He did not mention that neither through the Urim Vitumim is he able to speak to God, is God answering him. The Urim Vitumim was the breastplate of the high priest. Um, that you would be that would be another way to communicate with God, and he didn't mention that that was no longer worthy, worth, worth, 
working. Why didn't he mention that? It's because he had killed an entire city, Nov, of priests, of Kohanim. So he didn't even want, he was too embarrassed to mention that because he was so embarrassed and ashamed of his, of, as to what he had done. So what do we see? We see that he was very ashamed of the fact that he had killed this city of Nov, um, who he had um, accused of of um, going against them, of rebelling against them. So from where do we know though? So we see that he was embarrassed, ashamed of that. Now, where's the next step? We're trying to prove that somebody that's embarrassed for what they've done is atoned for all of their sins. Where do we see that King Saul was atoned for all of his sins? Shenemar. As the verse says, So Shmuel is saying to King Saul, Tomorrow you and your children will be with me. explains, what does this mean with me? They will be in my area of the world to come, or of the Garden of Eden. So meaning Shmuel, after he passed away, got an amazing place um, near to God in the next world, or the Garden of Eden. This is that we refer to this in many different ways. It's where the soul goes after passing away. So Shmuel is saying that you and your children, Saul, you and your children will be near me, um, when you die as well. So obviously, if the, he's Shaul is King Saul is going to be near Shmuel, obviously he is being forgiven for all of his sins, and it's because he had been so ashamed of a sin that he had done. And the Rabbanon, they bring a different proof to teach us that King Saul was atoned for his sins. Um, the verse says, So this is a very long story, but basically... We have a group of people that um, want to hang King Saul's children, and they're saying we will hang them for the sake of God in the Giva of Shaul, who was the chosen of Hashem. So now these people are trying to get retribution against King Saul, so they obviously would not refer to King Saul as the chosen of Hashem. So rather, it must be It must mean that a heavenly voice came out and said that King Saul was the chosen of Hashem. And if God is calling, if a heavenly voice is calling King Saul the chosen of Hashem, obviously he was atoned for his sins. And we could say that it was because he was so ashamed of what he had done. That is the end of the teachings of Rabbi, of Rabbi Bar Chenana. And now we are going to return to talking about Shema. Amar Rabbi Bavo, Ben. By the way, we're four lines down in the um, wide lines, not the very wide lines, but the medium lines on the page. Four lines down. Amar Rabavo Bev Zutrasi. Rabavo, the son of Zutrasi, said, Amar Bihuda Barzavida, in the name of Bihuda Barzavida, Bikshu Likvoa Parshas Balak Bikriyashma. They wanted to include the Torah portion of Balak, the whole story of Balak wanting to curse the Jewish people using their, the non-Jewish prophet Bilam and how God made sure that that didn't happen. They wanted to include that in the daily Shema. But why didn't they include that in the Shema? Because they did not want to create a burden for the congregation and it just made Shema very long and it would have been too much. Now why did they want to include the story of Balak in the Torah, in the, I'm sorry, in the Shema. Ilema is, if you will say, 
Mishum Dichsivba, because it's written in the story of Balak, the words, Kel Motsiyam Mitzrayim, the God who took them out of Egypt. We wanted to mention God taking the Jewish people out of Egypt. Perhaps that's why we wanted to include the story of Balak in the Shema. But why would we need to have gone? But if that's the case, Lema Parshas Ribis U Parshas Mishkalos. There are plenty of other Torah portions that include God as the Redeemer from Egypt. So for instance, the Torah portion that forbids charging interest, or the Torah portion that has the warnings about having proper weights. All of those mention God as the one who took us out of Egypt. Um, so, it's written in those about God taking us out of Egypt. And those were there was never even a thought to include those in the story, in the Shema. So why specifically... Um, with the story of Balak, did they want to include in the Shema? Obviously, it has nothing to do. It's not about because of the fact that it mentions coming out of Egypt. El Amar Biosi Bar Oven, rather Biosi Bar Oven explains, because the following verse is written in it, he crouches down and lays down like a lion, um, and like a lion cub who can bring him up. So it mentions... Um, God as someone laying down and someone is getting up, which is appropriate for Shema, which you're supposed to say when you lie down and when you guide up. So if this verse was really important to include in the Shema, why didn't they just include this one verse and not the entire story of Balak? And then it would not have been a burden to the congregation and you still would have had the verse that you wanted to say. So we answer Gemiri. There's a tradition. Kol de Pascha Moshe Rabbeinu any Torah portion, any portion of the Torah that Moses, that Moshe made a, that Moshe made a break at, Paskinon, then we could also make a break at it. The low Pascha Moshe Rabbeinu, but if the Moshe, our master, our teacher, did not make that break, then we also are not allowed to. Mo, low Paskinon, then we're also not allowed to. So we cannot just take a verse out of a, an entire portion of Moses and just say that verse. You would need to have included the entire portion. Um, because if Moshe did not divide it, then we are not allowed to divide it. Okay, so now that we know about something that we wanted to add but we didn't, now we're going to talk about what we have as part of our daily Shema and why that was included. So Parsha Sitzis Mipnei Makavua, the third paragraph of the Shema, is the Parsha, is the Torah portion in which we learn about the obligation to wear Sitzis, the fringes on our four corner garments. Four corner garments. So now we're wondering. Parsha Tzitzis, the, the Torah portion of Tzitzis, Mipnei Ma'kivua, why was that included as part of the Shema? Amar Rabbi Huda Bar Chaviva, Rabbi Huda Bar Chaviva said, It's because within that little paragraph, there are five very important topics. Mitzvah Tzitzis, the mitzvah of wearing Tzitzis. Yetzias Mitzrayim, coming out of Egypt. Ol Mitzvos, the yoke of the mitzvos, the yoke of the commandments. Vidas Minim, the um, the thinking of the of the heretic and not um, not veering towards that. Here, Haravera, a warning against thinking about um, illicit relations. The here, Haravodazara, and the warning against um, thinking about idolatry. So they talked about five topics. Three of them are explicit in, in, in the third paragraph of the Shema. So it's understandable, Bishlama, it's understandable, Hani Tlas Mefarshan, these three are explicit. Ol Mitzvos, Dichsiv. 
the yoke of the mitzvahs, it's very clear. It's written, and you should look at them, you should see the tzitzis, and you shall remember, all of the mitzvahs of God. Tzitzis, tzitzis, it obviously is very clearly talks about tzitzis, as it's written, you shall make for yourself tzitzis. Yetzias Mitzrayim Dichsiv, coming out of Egypt, it's also explicit. Asher Hotseisi, who took us, God who took us out of Egypt, very clear. But what about those last uh, two? Eladas Minim, I'm sorry, what about the last three? Eladas Minim, but the um, warning against heretical thinking, Her Haravera, and the warning against um, thinking about illicit relations, and thinking, the warning against thinking about idolatry, where are those in that, that paragraph? Titania, so we answer, it says it in a brysa. We learn The answer to this is written in the brysa. In that paragraph where it says, you shall not go after your heart, this is a reference to heretical thoughts. As, it, as the verse says, So a novel, A disgusting person says in his heart there is no God. So we see that heretical th thoughts are in your heart. So when it says not to go after your heart, it's a reference to heretical thoughts. The verse that refer the verse in the paragraph that says you shall not go after your eyes. This is a reference to a warning against illicit relations or thinking about those things. Shinemar, as the verse says, by Yomer Shimshon al-Aviv, Shim Samson said to his father, Osakachli, she you shall take for me, ki hi because she is proper in my eyes. So we see that um, those types of sexual thoughts stem from the eyes, and um, that's where we see it in the verse, in the, that paragraph. And then the rest of the paragraph says, Atem Zonim, it says, after which you go astray, Zahir her Avodazara, this is a reference to thoughts about Avodazara, about idolatry. The Chin Homer, as a different verse says, they went astray after the Baalim, which was a type of idolatry. So when we talk about going astray, it's a reference to idolatry. Alright, we have uh we are now at the last Mishnah of this chapter. So we're at the Mishnah, so three lines down before they're very wide lines. Um we mentioned coming out of Egypt at night. That's part of the third paragraph of Shema. Amr Abelazar ben Azayar, Abelazar ben Azayah says, Hare ani kiven shivim shana, I am like a 70-year-old man. Falozachisi shete amer, yitzies mitzrayim balelos. And I never merited being able to say, talk about the coming out of Egypt at night. Ad shadarsha ben Zoma, until I heard ben Zoma say the following exposition. Shinemar, as the verse says, Laman tiskar, in order that you remember, as yom tzeischa, the day that you came out, me'eretz mitzrayim, of Egypt, the land of Egypt, kol yamei chayecha, all the days of your life. You should remember coming out of Egypt all the days of your life. So now if you take a look, it says kol yamei chayecha, all the days of your life. That could easily have said yamei chayecha, just the days of your life. You didn't need the extra word all. So what is that extra word coming to teach us? So it's as follows. Yemei chayacha, the days of your life, hayomim. You would know then to mention, to remember coming out of Egypt during the days. Kol yemei chayacha, all the days of your life, halilos, comes to include that you also must remember coming out of Egypt at night. the sages say, yemei chayacha ha'olam hazeh, when it talks about the days of your life, remembering coming out of Egypt, that's the days of your life in this world. Kol, the word kol, all the days of your life, Lahavili Mosa Mashiach teaches us that we'll even need to remember coming out of Egypt 
in the days of Messiah, in the days of Mashiach. Okay, that's the Mishnah. Let's just read the Gemara on it. Tanya, we learned in a brisa. Amr lehem ben Zoma lechachamim. Ben Zoma said to the sages, Now are we really going to mention or remember coming out of Egypt in the days of Mashiach? But don't we have a verse that teaches us the opposite, not like this, in Jeremiah in Yirmiyahu? What's the verse? It says, Behold, the days are coming by the word of God. And they will no longer say, by the life of God, Asher He'elah, as B'nai Yisrael, who, took, who lifted up the Jewish people, Me'eretz Mitzrayim, from Egypt. No longer will we say that. Ki'im, rather we will say, Chai Hashem, the life of God, Asher He'elah, V'asher Hevi, who lifted us up and who will bring, or who, or who and who brought, is Zera Beis Yisrael, the offspring of the Jewish people, Me'eretz Safona from the lands of the north, Umikol Ha'aratzos, Asher Hidach, and from all of the lands, from to from which we were exiled. Um, so we see very clearly that once Mashiach comes, we will mention that final redemption and no longer mention coming out of Egypt. So we answer, Amrulo, the sages reply, We're not going to completely uproot a mention of coming out of Egypt completely. Rather, this final redemption will be the fundamental, the main remembering of redemption. And coming out of Egypt, that redemption will become secondary to that new primary mentioning, that new primary remembrance of coming of, of redemption. Um, we'll stop here for today. We'll uh, continue with these. Um, we'll continue on uh, Wednesday. Let's just do a very quick review. So first we talked about the special additions or the special changes we made during the 10 days of repentance between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in the Amidah. Um, then we talked about how important it is to pray for others and to um, and for someone that's a Torah scholar, you're even supposed to go to the next level. Then we talked about how if one is ashamed for a sin that they did, they are atoned for all of their sins. We've got different proofs for that. <clears throat> and then we talked about um, how they wanted to add some different things into Shema, but we didn't do it because it was too long. We learned about how we cannot divide Torah portions that Moshe himself did not divide. Then we talked about why we say, why we have our third paragraph of Shema, why we included that in our daily Shema saying. And then we started in a new Mishnah that talked about how we even are supposed to mention coming out of Egypt at night. Um, we're even supposed to say the third paragraph of Shema at night. And uh, we talked about that. And then we talked about mentioning coming out of Egypt even during the days of Mashiach. Have a wonderful day.